If you've ever struggled with the idea of marketing your speaking business, if you have an aversion to sales, it seems dirty, then stick around and learn from my good friend, David Newman and do it marketing on how to transform your relationship with sales and marketing to grow your business. Cue the intro. Welcome to The Real Deal, where we get real about what it takes to succeed, whether it's wealth, health, relationships, or finding your purpose. We talk with the masters to uncover the secrets to defying the odds and creating your own rock star legacy. I'm Doug. After working on multiple Grammy-winning records, years on the road as a national trainer with Tony Robbins, a published author, transformational speaker, and your personal translightenment coach, I'm committed to your transformation, enlightenment, and exponential growth. And now, the real deal on. All right, are you ready? I'm ready, sir. Let's, uh, we've shared this. We're going to encourage everyone else to share the heck out of it. And let's talk. Let's have a coffee talk. Coffee talk. Well, well, first, uh, I do have to introduce our sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by guidedhypnotic.com. Are you feeling stressed out? Perhaps being plagued by night terrors or worse, day terrors? Go ahead to guidedhypnotic.com and download your free guided hypnotic meditation. That's guidedhypnotic.com. <laughs> so I, I sponsor myself, clearly. I'm scared. I'm scared now. I'm like, oh my God, I'm not sure what that is, but I'm pretty sure I, I need some. Yeah, yeah. It's very authoritative, <laughs> as you can tell. All right. So you ready for the best introduction you've had all day? I really am. All right. Here we go. David Newman is a certified speaking professional and member of the National Speakers Association Million Dollar Speaker Group. He is the author of the business bestseller, Do It Marketing and Do It Speaking, 77 Instant Action Ideas to Market, Monetize, and Maximize Your Expertise, HarperCollins 2020. He's the host of The Speaking Show, an iTunes Top 50 Marketing Podcast, and the number one highest rated podcast on the business of speaking. David is also the creator of the Expert Profit Formula Mentoring Program and the the Do It MBA Marketing Business Accelerator. Free training tools and downloads are waiting for you at doitmarketing.com. That was the best one I've had all year. Are you oh, kidding me? Not just oh today. God. That's all year. That's a 2020 record. I am wow. And you know, you only have a few months left. So I I'm uh I'm I'm blessed. You are so. number one spot, buddy. Amen. So thank you so much for sharing your most valuable asset, your time and your wisdom. And uh, I, I just want to preframe and say when we met a few years ago, you know, we hit it off. You are brilliant. You are a fantastic speaker. You give your wisdom, your expertise. And I, and I know you've had a huge impact in the speaker community. Um, so let, let's dig in a little bit and, and share how did you even get into it? Did you wake up one day, like when you were growing up, were you like, ah, I think I'm going to be a speaker. That, that seems like a good thing. Well, so the story is that I had a 10-year corporate career doing internal consulting and training for HR management consulting, tech consulting type companies. January 1st, 2002, went out on my own, thinking like many entrepreneurs and many folks watching and listening, well, how hard can it be? 
I know how to train. I know how to coach. And you know, you're in real estate. I know how to do real estate. You're running some kind of business. I know how to run this business. I don't need this big company with this logo on my business card. I'm going to go out and do this on my own. Mm. Why should I be generating hundreds of thousands of dollars for the man when I can be generating hundreds and thousands of dollars for myself? Well, <laughs> as you and I both know, Doug, it's not about doing the work. It's about getting the work once mm -hmm. you're out there on your own. So first three years of my business was a total disaster, like total disaster. Uh, no niche, no specialization, no list, no clients, no clue. I mean, it was bad, bad, bad. I started to get a little bit of traction around year three. And uh, year three, I started to get some training contracts with companies like Microsoft, or the MSN division of Microsoft, um, a couple of big banks, a couple of big insurance companies, did some work for IBM, did some work for QVC mm. here in suburban Philadelphia, about 20 miles from where I'm sitting, the big home shopping network. As those contracts started to come in, I had my friends in the National Speakers Association and the Coaches Federation and some other you know, professional groups I was involved in, they would say, dude, how are you landing these big contracts? How are you getting, you know, how are you getting all this fabulous work? And you know, can we have lunch? Can we have breakfast? Can we talk? And I said, sure. So I had a lot of breakfast, lunch, coffee, everything. No money changed hands. It wasn't a business. It was just, you know, they were good people asking good questions. So I thought I would help them. So one day in a 2005, 2006, a friend of mine who's still a friend today, uh, we're having one of these breakfasts and he happens to be a career consultant. So that little tidbit is, is important. He's asking me all these questions and I'm pontificating and riffing and ranting. And he says, you know, you should do this as your main business. And I said, I should do what is my main business? Eat bacon and eggs and hang out in diners with you? He goes, no, no, no. You should be helping people like me and people like you, consultants, experts, speakers, business book authors. And I laughed at him, Doug. I said, come on. That's the stupidest idea I ever heard. First of all, consultants, speakers, trainers, entrepreneurs, they're all broke. Thanks, but no thanks. I'm going back to my big corporate clients. I'm going back to my big corporate training gigs. I am not working with little pisher consultant solopreneurs. Thanks, but no thanks. And he says, no, no, really. Uh, you're gifted at this. You're talented at this. You're wonderful. Obviously, you know, praise and, and uh, flattery goes a long way. So I, I said to him, listen, if you want to pull together three, four, five folks, uh, we will meet in my living room for four weeks. I'll do a little mini seminar, but I'm going to have to charge you, I said. He says, well, how much do you want to charge? I said, 50 bucks. He says, 50 bucks a week? I said, no, 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 50 bucks for the whole thing. It's bagels and coffee money. <laughs> it's bagels, juice, coffee. I, I even got crazy. I bought them yogurt. Ooh. So for a grand total of 50 bucks per person, we did this four-week thing in my living room. I was having a great time. It was very energizing, very exciting. At the same time, I got a $10,000 contract. This is 2006 now. $10,000 contract for a local insurance brokerage firm. And I walked in and there were 20 bored, middle-aged white guys sitting there with grumpy faces in this conference room at the insurance brokerage firm, arms crossed, did not want to be there, right? The classic prisoners, yeah. they did not want to be in that training. There were some of them were sales guys. They're like, why am I here instead of being on the phone selling more policies? Anyway, they were so grumpy and so negative and the energy was so wrong in that room. 
And remember, at the same time, I'm having a great time here with the $50 bagel and coffee crew. When I walked into that training room, I was struck with a blinding flash of the obvious, that I was in the wrong room with the wrong people doing the wrong thing for the wrong reason. And Doug, that day in 2006 is when I started to pivot and change my business to not work with the corporate folks and the big company mm -hmm. prisoners and to dial that back and to dial up and to increase the work that I was doing with solopreneurs and independent coaches and consultants and so on and so forth. I had completely made that transition by around 2008 and then 2008, 2009, I started doing group coaching programs instead of one-on-one. -on -one. Then I went into online courses. So 2012, 2013, had some online courses. You and I met in 2014 mm -hmm. when we were both in a program around doing sort of, you know, mentoring programs and putting some, some real coaching and accountability and mentorship around our intellectual property. And then I just kind of ran, you know, ran that path. And then we now have, we have um, a beginning program called the Expert Profit Formula. You were kind enough to mention in the intro. We have sort of a mid-level program called High Fee Mastery. We have a big program called this Do It MBA, the Marketing Business Accelerator Program. It's a year-long program. But everything came out of, you got to walk before you run, mm -hmm. before you fly. And I was on a totally different path 15 years ago. You know, and so thank God that my career consultant friend knocked on my forehead and said, dude, you're in the wrong business, doing the wrong thing for the wrong people. Well, and, and thank, thank you for sharing that. And the, I guess the, the challenge right now, I think, um, and you touched on it yesterday on, on your conversation, is back to a little bit of that mindset of where the money is, right? Because... Like I, and I struggle with it too. I, I vacillate between corporate and one-on-one -on -one for the very same reason, because sometimes it's that struggle, but it's also really um, as, a, as an entrepreneur, oftentimes, and, and this happened with me in my music career as well, I always felt a love for the underdog, for the guy who is you know, trying to get their way going, figuring it out. And I know that if someone paid me, you know, 500 bucks to mix their record and they, and that was all they had, it, that was as good as a record company paying me, you know, five grand because like just relatively speaking, it was a, a huge investment on that person's part. But how did you, A, you made that transition in that mindset where you originally said consultants and speakers, authors that they are broke and they don't have a lot of money, which, you know, a lot of people still may feel that way. And then come to now where there is a reality where people were potentially making money and companies were, you know, you had a great reframe yesterday on, you know, the live events versus virtual and, and, you know, it's a wrap where you head around, you know, like these, but how do you maintain that mindset and, and get even to that place to appreciate that there are people who individuals who are willing to, to invest. So uh, such a great multi-layered enchilada yeah. of a question. So I think the big lesson for me is that the business that you think you're in is really not the business that you're in. Mm. And if you look at it from a 30,000 foot level and what are the skills and talents and capabilities and expertise and experience that you bring to the world 
how can that be reframed or pivoted, maybe even just five, 10, 15% to serve new markets, to solve new problems, to get in front of new audiences and to reframe or re, uh, I hate this term, but, but recontextualize. Put, put your content, I got a better way to say this, put your content in a more valuable context, mm -hmm. right? So, so you're still you, I'm still me. And we're great at what we're great at and we love doing what, we're, what we love doing and that doesn't need to change. But looking at it from a who else needs this? Where else in the world is this needed? How else in the world can this be distributed, right? So if we're stand-up keynote speakers like you and me and we're used to talking to audiences of a few hundred or a few thousand people every now and again, is that content... If, if, if there's no more face-to-face, -face, if there's no more live speaking, live conferences, live events or meetings of any kind for the foreseeable future, does that mean that our marketplace value goes from a couple hundred thousand dollars down to zero? It does not. That distribution method for your expertise, that profit center might go to zero, but then you and I and folks watching and listening are very creative and very resourceful and we figure out, well, who else, how else, where else, right? What mm -hmm. other channels, what other media, and what other distribution methods can we use to help perhaps even more people on a bigger level? So sometimes when we say, okay, you gotta put this in a new context, you gotta reframe this, you gotta pivot this. People think, well, I gotta make it smaller or I gotta charge less. I'm saying, you know what, make it bigger. Maybe you gotta charge more than you used to when things were normal, whatever that meant back in January of 2020. And I also remember I was starting my entrepreneurial business and we had a, a dinner. And uh, this dinner had a couple of my college friends and a couple of my wife's college friends. And these were all corporate types going back to your, hey, our entrepreneurs all broke and how do you get that out of your head and how do you make that context shift? So I'm sharing with this group of college friends what I'm planning to do and who I'm planning to work with. And everyone's naysaying the heck out of this thing. Like, oh, that's not going to worry. This was also, this was, remember, this was 2006, 7, 8, leading into the big last economic meltdown that we had. Oh, it's a terrible time to start that kind of business. No, all those people are, no one has any money. How in the world are you going to build this? How in the world are you going to get clients? And one of our college friends was a very, very successful chiropractor. Uh, made many, she had a multi-million dollar uh, private, uh, what's it called, private? It's like when you don't take insurance. <clears throat> uh, yeah, private pay. It's a private, right, uh, private pay, right? Or just, don't, you don't take insurance, it's a cash, right, right. cash yeah. business. Mm -hmm. Anyway, big office on Central Park South in Manhattan, very, very successful. She whispers, everyone's like naysaying, it's not gonna work, you can't possibly, blah, 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 blah. How in the world are you gonna build this business? And she whispers something almost like in a stage whisper. And the rest of the people suddenly like stop talking and they turn to her and they say, Lisa, what, what did you just say? She says, I said, he's gonna build it one client at a time. It's like, how's that gonna work? How are you gonna build it? How are you gonna make money? How is it possible? You're crazy, you're wrong, they're all broke, they're not gonna work. How are you gonna build it? one client at a time. And then she said, you know, I didn't start out with big, beautiful offices on Central Park South on 57th Street in Manhattan with a private pay practice and, you know, cash business and blah, 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 blah. 
I built my practice one patient at a time. And then one led to two, and then two led to four, and then four led to seven, and seven led to 12, and up and up from there. So, But they were saying, oh, well, you're going to have just this business like that. None of us have a business like that. None of us have success like that. I, I wish, you know, between you, me, and Tony Robbins, I wish the three of us could put our heads together and go, what's this? What's this formula that we can just go like, boom, instant success? Everyone builds it one client at a time, one patient at a time, one project at a time, one real estate deal at a time. Yep. Uh, no one's like, oh, I've got the you know, multi-million dollar real estate business suddenly. Well, you don't. I've got a multi-million dollar music career suddenly. No, not suddenly, but one and song at think. a time, right? One studio yep. at a time, one concert at a time, one yeah, fundraiser at a time. You know, sell t-shirts, sell swag, do whatever the hell you have to do, but keep that context conversation in mind. You know, there, there are musicians now. I know that you're also very involved in the music business. There are musicians now. Think back to when we first had Napster, we first had LimeWire. This is way before iTunes, right? All the pirate music stuff that was going on. Everyone's like, oh, it's the end of record labels. And then iTunes came out, oh, it's the end of the music business. It's the end of big corporate. Great, that's awesome. There's so many more musicians now have opportunities to write their own ticket, generate mm -hmm. their own fan base, go direct to the public, right? Sell the merch, sell the concert tickets, sell the online music, sell the exclusive inside track kind of stuff. And it's been hugely liberating. Yes, of course, it's destruction, but it's creative destruction. And it's, you know, as the old structures start to crumble and fall, there's two kinds of people. First kind of person just, oh my gosh, the sky is falling. Doug, this is terrible. It's the worst time in my business. I can't possibly imagine it's the end of the world. I'm going to put on the green apron and go work at Starbucks. The other half is like, wow, this is such an amazing opportunity. This is like the Wild West. This is like when the internet was new. You know, remember back when there was only 300,000 websites? Now there's like 3 billion websites. But remember back when there was only 300,000 websites? Then there was a million websites. Then there was a couple million websites. This was like total land grab. You could do whatever you wanted. It was crazy. Same thing with blogs. Remember when there was only a couple hundred thousand blogs? Same thing with podcasts. Remember when there was like 10,000, 20,000 podcasts and that was it. Everybody People got one. got in early, right? Go ahead. Yeah, no, say so everybody's got a podcast or a website or, uh, yes. you know, so it's, it's become so the norm. Now we're recontextualizing what does an online business look like or what does a hybrid online offline business look like where we go online when we want to and when we, when we, when we have to, and then we're offline when that becomes possible again. But it's not an either or, it's a yes and. And I think for most businesses, whether you're in real estate or music or healthcare or, uh, you know, anything, uh, you're in the food business, you're in the service business. Uh, it is a yes and opportunity where all these industries are being kicked back to the wild west of invention and reinvention. Yeah, 100%. And, and what's so crazy is you'd think that by now, with all of the biographies, all of the, the, the understanding that an overnight success didn't happen overnight. It happened after, you know, years usually of hard work, smart work, investigating, you know, modeling, finding the successful people and, and going, how did you do that? And start doing what they're doing and not being heard, not being seen for, you know, potentially for years. I mean, Gary Vee talks about how 
long it took him to get his YouTube channel up. And it was on wine, right? And it's so interesting how the, the blessing and curse of access to information are then our own confirmation bias start setting in. And then depending on what your mindset is going in, we may look for reasons and justifications to either go for it or not go for it. You know, I, I remember when I, my, my shift, the peak of my career is when Napster came out. So I, I had to reinvent. I was like, oh, what am I going to do? And I went through the whole process of why do I do music and all this and personal development was a big part of it. I was speaking at conferences on how to monetize uh, your band because I was working with bands that made, made more money on their own than when they got signed. They would make half a million dollars on their own and then get signed and be like, oh, we got to get jobs. We're not making any money. Um, so then when I went on the road with Tony, it was the, the, that same thing of, of, okay, I've got to figure out a new way to do what I do, but modeling Tony, and it's a, a challenge that we all have is modeling Tony at where he's at different timeline. He's accomplished so much what Tony can do and what you and I can do versus what someone who's just starting out can do is all very different because they have different leverage points, they have different pain points, and they have different strategies. But I will say this in alignment, and I'll toss it back over. When I left working with Tony, he said this, he goes, remember, and we, it's all good terms. I, I went to go to work in the treatment center to bring that messaging, personal development to treatment. He said, remember, you are not a speaker. You are not a trainer. You are not an author. You are a marketer of your speaking, training, and books. And that for many is one of the hardest things to, to get over. And I struggle with it every day because I'd rather be doing the, the work than necessarily touting my work, if that makes sense. Right. So how, what advice do you have from that, that contextual shift of, you know, wearing another hat? And I think that's why it's so important that people work with you because maybe they don't have that hat and you can help them create it. But, you know, what are some tips that, you know, and what could one expect in, in that journey of transforming into adding marketing as a skill set? Well, I think there's two things going on. And, you know, certainly the, the tip of the iceberg is you hear all these people and there's some of these people are clients and friends of yours and clients and friends of mine. They say, man, I love doing the work. I just really hate the marketing and sales part. That's not the part that I like. I love speaking or training or writing my books or doing Zoom calls with clients or I love that stuff. I just don't like the marketing and sales part. So we'll talk about that in a moment. I think what's under the iceberg is a lot of people make the marketing and sales part harder than it is or harder than it could be because they don't have the real clarity mm. of what is the value that they bring to the world. What, you know, who are the people that they really want to work with? And I speak from experience, right? I was heading down this whole corporate path. I want to help the corporate people. I want to go into have corporate clients, have corporate prospects, market and sell to corporate. And I realized I don't like those people. Those are not my people. They don't read. I mean, look at your shirt. Look at my shirt today. It's crazy Hawaiian shirt day. Imagine you and me showing up at Bank of America. Hi, here's your consultant. Well, I, I put a jacket over it, so it's okay. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> but you get the idea, man. We're not wired for that in a big, you know, in a big way. Uh, some of the more creative, some of the more risk-taking, some of the more hip and fun corporate folks, sure, they'll bring you in. They'll bring me in. But they get it that they're bringing in someone from a different world.
right. and they like that and they value that. But when I really zeroed in on the clarity, the focus, and because that was another thing is entrepreneurial ADD used to rule the day. I was Mr. Oh my God, here's a shiny object. Here's something else. I should be doing this. I should be doing that. I should buy this software. I should sign up with this coach. I should run this kind of program. And it was just crazy making because you're constantly churning the water and you're never mm -hmm. making any actual progress propelling you across the, the waves. The, and so clarity, focus, and decisions. Those are my new, if I, if I were to ever get a tattoo, and I'm thinking about it, those are the three words that I would have tattooed somewhere on my body is clarity, focus, and decisions because people are afraid to decide. Mm. And it's funny, Doug, the, the root, the Latin root of the word decide is desidare. Desidare means to cut off. So you're literally cutting off some options. You're cutting off some decisions. Yep. When you go left, you're cutting off right. When you go right, you're cutting off left, right? So you are literally slicing your way through these decisions saying, I am working with this kind of person, not that kind of person. I am focused on this kind of topic, not that kind of topic. I want my niche to be over here with these people. I do not want my niche to be over there with those people. And of course, everyone, I can hear everyone's watching. I can channel the script in your head. It's like, but I'm leaving money on the table. You're not leaving money on the table. What you're actually doing is you're opening up all the windows and doors and the money's blowing out the windows and doors when you fail to make these decisions because here's the mantra that's going to free you up. The mantra is, as an, as an entrepreneur of any kind, target what you want and you can always take what comes. People forget the first half of that mantra and their business is about take what comes. It's like, oh, clients come out of the blue and once in a while I get a referral and once in a while some lead lands in my lap from networking and business is okay. You know, I'm making whatever, five, 10,000 bucks a month and that's not bad, but you know, it's like, no. Imagine if you targeted what you wanted, right? Target what you want, shoot for what you want. You can always take what comes in the door, but that's gravy, that's extra. Mm -hmm. That should not be your proactive, uh, intentional, outbound, outreach, prospecting plan, value-adding plan, door-opening plan, and relationship-building plan. And even when I say these words, people go, door-opening plan. What is that? That sounds pretty cool. Prospecting plan. Hmm. Maybe I should get, I, I should get one of those, right? Relationship-building? You mean I can build relationships with prospects before I shove my crap down their throat? Yes, you can you build, it. you can, you know, here's my four words about marketing. For those folks that are watching and listening, if you're tracking along with this part of our conversation where I love the work of my work, I just hate the marketing and sales part, delete the word marketing, delete the word sales out of your vocabulary, replace it with four more words. Offer value, invite engagement. Offer value, invite engagement. People mm. go, oh no, it has to be harder than that. It can't be that simple. You, you, you can't just offer value, invite engagement, offer value, invite engagement. So one of the techniques that I teach is simply, you know, online networking. So you're on LinkedIn, you're on Facebook, you're in some blog portal community where your target market is talking about the issues that you solve. And, you know, you go to the threads that are hot. You go to the ones that have a lot of likes and shares and comments and you see all the folks. Oh my God, me too. We have that at our company. We have that problem. We have that situation. We have that 
you know, going on. So here's the, here's the reach out. I'm going to give everyone the script right now. Here's the reach out. Dear Bob, right? So you, you can message them on the platform. You find this on Facebook. You do it on Facebook. You find them on LinkedIn. You do this on LinkedIn. Dear Bob, I saw your comment in that XYZ thread about leadership, about whatever your topic is. This happens to be an area of my expertise. Uh, what's your best email address? I'm happy to send you some resources that might be helpful. 80% of people will, will respond to that and they'll respond to it quick and favorably. It's like, oh, that'd be great. Doug, sure, it's David at doitmarketing.com. Would love to get the resources. So now I'm taking them from the social platform into email, right? I email them the goodie, which really is valuable, relevant to the problem that which they were posting important. about. Right? Important, important, right? <laughs> send them that. Then they're going to send me back a thank you note. Hey, thank you so much. That was awesome. Blah, 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 blah. I'm going to wait for that reply to come back. I'm then going to say, by the way, after you've read it, if you'd like to hop on a quick call and just chat about some strategies for your exact situation, right? That language is important chat about some strategies that would help your exact situation, I'd be happy to hop on a call. Here's my calendar link. And you send them your Calendly or schedule once or whatever you're using. 80% uh, of people at that level will say, oh my gosh, thank you so much. I'd love to talk to you. And that's, this is not a sales call. This is where I have to calm my people down. This is not a sales call. This is a helping call. This is a relationship building call. This is a value call. At the end of that call, right? So now you've sent, you've seen a comment where they've exposed to you, they have a problem or an issue or a challenge. You say, hey, Bob, I saw your comment. What's the best email address? I'd like to send you some resources. Oh, Doug, that would be great. Send the resources. Then we follow up with an email once they say, thank you for the resources. Would be happy to jump on a call to explore your exact situation and give you some ideas that might be helpful right now. Wonderful. 80% of those people will get on that helpful call. At the end of the helpful call, here's what you say. You say, Doug, you know, it's been really fantastic chatting with you. I hope this was helpful. Uh, you know, typically two kinds of folks jump on the opportunity to have this kind of chat. The first kind of person just wants the free advice, insights, recommendations, and that's truly all they want. The second kind of person, of course, they want the answers. They want the help but they're also test driving what a consulting or coaching relationship with me might feel like. Or if you don't do consulting, you don't do coaching, they're test driving what a working relationship with me might feel like. I gotta ask you, which camp do you find yourself in? Now, when you do this, here's the math that you're gonna find. And I was surprised and amazed when I started using this strategy. And this was amazing to me that this is how the stats typically fall out. 50% of people say, oh, I'm in camp one. I just you know, didn't, didn't want to buy anything, was not test driving. You're a great guy. You're a sweetheart. Really appreciate this 20 minutes. Super helpful. I'm out. And that's fine. Mm -hmm. but that's only half. 30% because people don't book these calls because they're bored. They don't book these calls because there's nothing good on Netflix. They book this call because they need help or they want someone to talk to about this. 30%. We'll say, yeah, you know, Doug, I went to your website. I kind of checked you out on LinkedIn and I knew that you kind of did something in this area. And you know, we are looking for help. So I'm, I'm actually, I'll be honest, I'm, I'm totally test driving what a working relationship with you might feel like. And I'm going to get back to these people in a second. So sit on that for a moment. 20%, if you do this call as a genuine trusted advisor, 
if you're genuinely helpful, genuinely uh, relevant, genuinely generous with these people, the remaining 20% will say this. They say, you know, Doug, I booked this call and I, I know that you do some of this coaching and consulting and speaking. And I went to your website. I saw this on LinkedIn. I really had no intention of hiring you or talking about your services, but this 20 minutes has been so valuable and you have really turned on so many light bulbs in my head right now about ways we can solve this problem. I think we do need to talk about bringing you in. I think we do need to kind of revisit how we're doing this and possibly with, with your help. So 50% will say, thanks, no thanks. 30% right out of the gate will be like, yeah, I'm in test drive mode. We should talk some more. And 20%, you will convert because of the power and the gravity of that very helpful, very insightful call. I call this act as if you're hired before you're hired, right? Mm -hmm. Pretend that that first helpful call is your first paid call. Once you're on the case, once you've been hired, once you've been brought in. Now, here's what you do at the end of that helpful call. You say, well, Doug, you know, the last thing I would ever do is bait and switch. This is not a sales call. This is not about me selling you anything or you buying anything. Let's look at our calendars. I'd be happy to have a chat about some ways we can work together, but that was not this call. I've got some time tomorrow at 10 or tomorrow at 2.15. By the way, I'm on Eastern time, which works better for you. So you book the sales call right from the helping call you put it on their calendar, and now you know that second call is a sales call. They know that second call is a sales call, and you've maintained complete integrity with your door opening relationship building campaign. You found someone who has a need, challenge, problem, or gap. You reached out to them with a helpful resource. You invited them to a phone chat about helping them more. At the end of that phone chat, you say, tell me where you want this to go. Are you just kind of kicking the tires, not really interested in any sort of help? Totally cool, totally good. Or are you test driving what a working relationship with me might feel like? Yes, wonderful, let's book a separate call. I'm not doing a bait and switch. I'm maintaining this clear, clean separation between the helping call and the sales call. Tomorrow, we're gonna to talk about the ways that we might work together more formally. And I'm gonna give you small, medium, large, and supersized ways that we can do that. But it's not bait and switch. What I tell my clients, Doug, and I'm telling, I'm telling everyone watching right now, you do this, you find five people a day to reach out to. That's it. Five people a day, 25 people a week. And if you know the blogs, portals, communities, groups, hashtags, where these people hang out, because you have the clarity, the focus, and the decisions that you've already made, here's who I work with, here's the problems I solve for those people, you literally do this five times per day, that's all it takes. I have a hard time believing that you won't add another 20 to $30,000 per month of top line revenue to your business. That you're not gonna get another two, three, four deals. You're not gonna close another two, three, four houses. You're not gonna do whatever business you're in. I would have a hard time believing that that would not be a major boost to your income. I, and I love the, that, that frame of, of the integrity because I think so many people have gotten so inundated and saturated with that, that it, it does, I think, the fact that it, at this point you could even get on the phone with them is already a boon, right? Because I, I know you get them, I get them all the time. I get hammered on LinkedIn and all of that for you know marketing their stuff, which is fine, like that's great. Um, but th to have that say, okay, I'm, when, I'm not even gonna let you. You wanna buy now? I'm not letting you buy now. We, we, like, 
and then they go, oh, wow, okay, cool. Like this, this person is a real deal. Like they're not, they, they didn't come here and, and even opportunistically. That it's like, no, and I think that also sets up such power on the call, on the actual sales call, because the outcome is super clear. It's not a, uh, oh, I wonder if they're going to sell or that negativity that someone can, someone come in in the first place. I'm going to get on this call. They're going to try and sell me something, but I'm interested. They seem like a nice guy. Let me check it out. Um, So I I love that. Um, Excuse me. I'm, I'm assuming part of the work that you do do as well is helping people get that clarity because that's the one thing that was the hardest. And one of the things that was helpful for me is when I would niche down, and like you shared earlier, the other business can, could, can come, is that's just the decision right now, the niche right now. You could change it. So if, if you start getting some traction or not, or what, whatever your measurements are, you can change it. And it's the, the challenge, I think, with personal development people, especially, you know, the work that I do is that literally it does work. Almost everything that we do works for everybody. We know that, but it's finding the ecosystem to, to infiltrate. You know, what have been some of your successful mindsets to, to give yourself permission to niche down? Such a great question and, and such an important point because, you know, let's say that you're doing leadership. Well, everyone needs to be a better leader or you're doing communication skills. Everyone needs to be a better communicator or, or you're doing, you know, heart-centered marketing. Well, everyone needs to do heart-centered marketing. Okay, fine. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to answer the question, but I first want to share a quote with everybody. Um, and the quote is from Ray Kroc, who's the founder and popularizer of McDonald's. And he was on a TV show. This is back in the 1970s. Of course, he's been dead for decades. But back in the 1970s, he was on a TV show as sort of like the wise old man of franchising and big business success story and so forth. Anyway, a little production assistant person, uh, you know, he's Ray Kroc is about to go on, on the set. Little production assistant grabs him. He's got 30 seconds before he has to walk on. He says, Mr. Kroc, I know we only have 30 seconds. What's the one piece of business advice that you could give me that would last the rest of my life? I thought it was a great question, by the way. Yeah. What's the one piece of business advice that you could give me that would last the rest of my life? And Ray Kroc, as he's about to go on to this talk show, he looks at the kid and he says, well, if I were to boil down the real source of my success, I would say that it's nobody ever walked into one of my restaurants who wasn't already hungry. And that was it. Nobody ever walked into one of my restaurants who wasn't already hungry. So the question when you're thinking about niche and niche for now, and I love that you said niche for now, we have actually a module in our expert profit formula program literally called niche for now. (laughs) Because people are like, well, what if I get bored? What if I don't like it? What if it doesn't work out? Great, niche for now. Here are the three questions to ask with what you do and with the problems that you solve. Number one, who suffers from that problem more greatly than the average person? Who suffers from it more greatly? Who's gonna value it more highly because they suffer from it more greatly? And who's going to need it more desperately? In other words, who's gonna suffer the most if it doesn't get fixed? Who's gonna gain the most if it does get fixed or it does get improved. And if you really spend some time, spend 30 minutes with a journal or a notepad or a flip chart or a whiteboard and just brainstorm those three questions. 
who suffers from it more greatly, who's going to value it more highly, and who needs it more desperately than the average person. So I'm going to pick on engineers uh, just for fun. Let's say that you do presentation skills, right? And how to be a powerful presenter, how to be a powerful sales presenter, how to persuade, how to influence. And you're like, wow, you know who really sucks at this is engineers. I mean, engineers are the worst, super analytical, all in their head, not in their heart, totally about data and facts and figures and not connecting, not persuading, not influencing. They're thinking the work should speak for itself. Now, as, as I'm saying all of these things, this is what you're writing on the flip chart. These become your marketing bullets. This is what you put on your mind map, your whiteboard, your flip chart, your journal, or your legal pad is why do engineers, why are engineers so bad at this, right? Who suffers from it more greatly and then expand on that? Who needs it more desperately? Well, they need it because some engineers are client facing. Some engineers are responsible for sales. Some engineers want to become chief engineers or project engineers. They want to get raised, praised, and promoted within their engineering firm. Some of these people, God bless them, God, God forbid, they go out on their own and now they become entrepreneurial engineers and they start their own firm. Well, they need this skill set. So the moment that you set this up, with those three questions and some self-discipline to really answer those questions on a deep, deep level. Who suffers from it more greatly? Who needs it more desperately? And who will value it more highly? You will write yourself a belief stack of 30, 40, 50 reasons that you have found your people, you have found your home, you have found your niche, and this is where you can spend the rest of your professional career. And people are like, well, what if I get bored? What if I get, you're never gonna get bored. I mean, Doug, you never get bored working with your clients and audiences. I never get bored working with my clients and audiences. And you know, the, the funny thing, of course, is as the years go on, you're gonna have clients come to you and go, well, Doug, my situation is different. Well, Doug, no, no, I have a problem that you've never seen before. It's like, dude, please, I've seen it all before. So you know what? Uh, you are different, but you're not unique. Right? Unique means there is one in all of the universe. So of course you're different, but you are not unique. And once you've zeroed in on that hungry target market and you've answered those three questions like Ray Kroc, no one ever walked into one of my restaurants who wasn't already hungry, you are just going to resonate with them. They're going to resonate with you and it's going to be the beginning of a beautiful friendship. I couldn't agree more. I, uh, a good friend of mine, Roberto Monaco. Do you know Roberto? He, I don't. Uh, okay. Yeah, I'll introduce you. Roberto Monaco is, uh, he was the lead trainer with Tony Robbins for, uh, for us, for like on the road. He was the guy ultimately, like, you know, he taught me so much. But when he left, he started uh, a company called Influenceology, but it's uh, uh, speaking for Kairos. So he's a, an amazing speaker, trainer, all that. And him and his partner, Jeff Paro, started this business only teaching chiropractors how to speak and build their business through speaking. And I asked them, I remember I was hanging out, I was like, well, why, you know, you, you could teach anybody speaking. Like what you guys do is amazing. And like, yeah, but we're, we're just doing, there's such a big market right there. We could focus on that. 
But guess what? We already own speaking for and then a list of all these other niches that they could then start moving into. But they're so, like you shared, they're loving it. They're so busy in the chiropractic world. They're, they do have other opportunities, but they made that their main focus and they're loving life. And that's the biggest challenge, I, I believe, that people like us who are givers, who want to help people, who want to make a difference, will help anybody. Um, because that's just who we are. And then we're afraid that if we niche down, then we won't be able to help other people when the truth is those other people will find us anyway. Amen. Absolutely and right. On, on another level speaking, you know, it's, it's almost like a relationship, like nice guy syndrome. When you do that process, and, and this is something that I, you know, have struggled with in the past as well, is I get on the phone, I start liking the people, I feel like we're, now we're buddies, we're friends, I can't charge you. <laughs> how do you, how, how have you, how, did you ever have that challenge? Do any of your students ever have that challenge of then turning it into a, you know, when you just get, you build that rapport, you build that relationship, and now you're like, oh, I, I like you, I wanna help you out. Well, I, I like a lot of people, and I charge a lot of people. So, <laughs> so to me, but this is such a great point. Um, Jeffrey Gittimer, who is a very successful sales speaker, sales author, um, you know, sales mentor, uh, 20 years ago, I read his first book, which is called The Sales Bible. And I've seen him speak multiple times and so forth. Uh, one of the key phrases that stuck with me for life, and he's, out, he's had a lot of good ones, but this one stuck with me for life. He says, you don't need more prospects. You need more friends. That's it. You don't need more prospects. You need more friends. What does that mean? That first you make a friend. First you make a friend then that friend becomes a prospect and becomes a paying client. So he's looking at it the other way. Mm. Where that, that's not a challenge. That's not an obstacle. That's how it's supposed to work. That we intentionally befriend our future clients. They become clients. And I've had this go both ways very, very successfully. I've had clients become friends where after the financial relationship is over, we hang out, we, you know, we go to each other's houses, we, you know, we're friends, like in real life friends. And then similarly, I've had real life friends who, you know, over time, they're like, you know, maybe it's not this offer, maybe it's not this program, but some third thing will come along and they're like, I, I, I have to jump into this program. And I would even tell some of them, don't tell them, I would even tell some of them, no, no, listen, I'll, I'll, I'll let you in for free. I'll let, no, just kind of, eh, don't worry about it. They say, David, I, I can't do it for free because I will not implement. I will not take it. If, if I don't have skin in the game with you, I know you're awesome. I know you're amazing, but I need this to work. So for me to, in order for this to work for me, I have to pay you. Is that okay? I'm like, yeah, that's okay. Sure. Okay. Not going to argue. So literally, but, but I've also, without having this self-aware discussion, I have let in the past, I have let folks in. Uh, at no charge and they don't show up. They don't do the work They're, You know, it's, mm -hmm. it's kind of like uh, not that familiarity breeds contempt, but free breeds contempt. When you don't pay, you don't pay attention. When you don't pay attention, you don't implement. When you don't implement, you don't get results. So I, I could give away all my stuff for free and it would immediately drop by 85% in effectiveness. 
Well, and the fact that is a lot I of this stuff. For what we do is part of why it works. Oh, 100%. And I'm sure a lot of the stuff that you've already shared, which have been amazing, amazing bits of, of wisdom and, and actionable nuggets, there's no charge right now. And that people like may get the exact same information if they paid you, but they'd apply it because there was the, the payment. Um, I, I remember a couple of times with Tony Robbins, uh, his you know, his guests sit up front and he'll have uh, people sit in those seats because he doesn't want empty seats. But when the person comes in, the crew member has to get up and walk away and the new person comes in and Tony has called them out in front of tens, you know, 10,000 people basically saying, I gave you this for free and you're late. You're showing up at 11 a.m. You're showing up. He's like, There's people in the back who they spent their last dime to get here. And they're here every morning, all that. He's like, do not disrespect them again. Get here on time or don't come back. Because like, same thing, because it's free. People are like, oh, I'll just show up. I'll just whatever. And then even companies that, you know, pay for their teams to go there. If they pay. Their teams are the ones who are showing up late because they didn't pay for it themselves. They're hanging out at the pool. They're not getting the, the opportunity. And I would tell people all the time, business owners, like, look, I would, if you want to pay, you want to make it easy for them, reimburse them after the event and test them. Make sure that they went. Make sure that there is some application. Give them some incentives, some KPIs that say, oh, you applied what you learned. Now I'll reimburse you. Because, yeah. That I, is a great idea, by the way. Very, very smart. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know if you've ever had, you know, organizations that send people to you and, and they want to do that. You might want to, you know, have that. And that's the integrity conversation. Like, look, I want you to get the most out of it. I want a raving fan and I want you preaching, you know, the success of this. And if your teams are not putting hundred percent in, they're not going to get hundred percent results and I'm going to look bad. Right. Exactly. So how have you, you were already doing digital anyway. So that's like, you already had an online presence and all of that. Um, so your transition to this was um, this new way of this hybrid way. And Heidi and I were always doing some bit of hybrid, but I'll be honest, there was an element of when, you know, when this whole thing happened, the thought of like, oh, it's only going to be a couple of months. We're going to be, you know, it's going to be okay. And I'm, I'm noticing, so Tony Robbins is doing a virtual Unleash the Power Within. Uh, Marshall Silver is now doing a uh, virtual turning point. Um, so some of the products, some of the experiences that were once, I think, I, I believe that Tony, I know he was thinking, we're not gonna do that virtual, we're gonna do it live again. I'm sure Marshall, because a lot of it is so experiential. Have you changed the way you share some of your information that would have been live in the first place? Have you changed it to accommodate the virtual experience? Yes. And so, so you're right that ev really ever since 2013, our business has not been ever dependent on live events or showing up at a live event. However, we do have live events for our virtual coaching clients. So two, three times a year, we'll have like a, uh, a, super summit or a, uh, you know, a two day boot camp or something like this, which now no longer in person. Now they have gone to virtual as well. There are a lot of cool things that you can do virtual that you could not do if the event were in person. So for example, think about a two day event that is very taxing, very intense, very rigorous. 
our two-day events are now not on two contiguous days. So we just did an event in June that would have been a live event if it weren't for COVID-19. And I scheduled day one for Wednesday and day two for Friday. No one's traveling. There's no wasted time. There's no wasted hotel. In fact, you know, people block off Wednesday. They can then work with their clients or do marketing or have their meetings on Thursday. Then they come back into the bubble on Friday. So even things like that that are so simple, it's like, well, why do we have these very concentrated days right next to each other where people's brains get fried? Give them a day off in between. With virtual, you can do that. Yep. With, you know, in person, it's like, well, no, just take a day by the pool and, you know, waste all that money and waste all that, you know, no, of course not. But so that can be done. Uh, we've done a lot of things before the event, digitally, during the event, and after the event that would be hard or impossible to do if it was in person. Uh, even things like breakout rooms. You know, we've got 20, 30, 40 people in one client group. We say, you know what, we're going to pair you up. And just like they would at their tables, right? Mm -hmm. Except it's going to be in total silence. It's going to be total focus on just you and me and me and you, right? So we break them up into pairs. We break them up into, you know, little tables of four. Then those tables or those pairs, they report out to the big group. What was the best idea you heard from your partner? What was the best idea your partner heard from you? And then we do this popcorn style sharing in the large group again. Now, again, you can do that in the big ballroom, but it's noisy, it's weird, you don't really, like all of a sudden it's just you and me like this. It's like, wow, did you hear what Doug just said? I love that sound bite about this. The way I'm gonna apply it is X, Y, and Z. You ask me questions, you kind of draw me out, then we flip, I ask you questions, I ask you. You know, with Zoom, you just broadcast to all the rooms, okay team, time to switch partners. Right, and then everyone gets that message at once, and then oh, Doug, it's your turn. Go ahead. Okay, great. And then we do it three and a half minutes later. Okay, guys, come back to the main room. Everyone comes back to the main room, and you know, try and do that with like as you've done. Try and do that with three hundred people. It's not easy, right? But with Zoom, it's like boom, the breakout rooms are closed. Everyone's back in the main room. Okay, who wants to go first with sharing the best idea you got from your partner? Boom, 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 boom. So. Lots of cool things you can do, interaction, experiential, activities, personal networking, getting, see, the thing with a live event, it's very easy to go from stage to audience. What is much more challenging and sometimes doesn't even go off depending on the skill of the facilitator is how well are you connecting them with each other for right. some peer sharing, some peer masterminding, some uh, networking that hopefully might even last you know, long into the future in a digital format between the breakout rooms, these experiential activities, the Zoom chat, the private chat, all of these things become possible. Um, and so it's really, really exciting. I, I'm, I miss live events, I'll be honest, I'm sure you do too, yeah. but I don't think that a virtual event is necessarily less than, in many ways, it can be more than a live event as far as value and experience. Well, and I, yeah, you bring up a great point. Like some of the stuff that I've been doing is, is exactly that. It was a two day event that is broken up into three or four actually, uh, hour and a half sessions. No, I'm sorry. Uh, eight hour and a half sessions to a day spread out over four days, um, which makes it more, um, you know, consumable, uh, and there's the breaks and, and so forth. It'll be interesting to see what the guys like Tony and, and those guys do it. I think they're still trying to do it. For the way it looked at the moment, like they're going to try and do three three days the way they did it, 
you know, in the past, like doing it all at one, you know, long shot. So I don't know how that's going to work. Um, have you added any trainings because of these new I have not. I have not. And I have, I have an awkward request because we have our garage door guy here. Yeah. Okay. So is it okay if I come back in a couple yeah. of moments or do you want to sure. wrap it up? No, no, it's up to you. If you got more to share, we got, we got the time. We can edit this later. Why don't we wrap it up for now? Okay. We'll wrap it up for now. I so much appreciate you. This was awesome. And we can certainly do this again. And I'd love to have you on my show as well. Absolutely. Let's do it. Uh, doitmarketing.com is where to get in touch with you. I love you for who you are and who you aren't. Thank you so much, brother. And let's, uh, let's schedule another call and, and, and see if we could uh, dig even deeper and, and spread the love even more. Awesome. All right, Doug, I appreciate you, buddy. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Bye. Thank you so much for stopping by and hanging with us. And remember to subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast right here. And we look forward to serving you even more. Remember, Download your free guided hypnotic meditation at guidedhypnotic.com. That's guidedhypnotic.com where you'll get your free anxiety-busting meditation. We look forward to serving you, and if you have any questions, comments, please feel free to reach out. All right, we love you for who you are and who you aren't. God bless.